Welcome to Lincoln. We're a city smack dab in the middle of the country. We're a city that's home to Nebraska's state government, the University of Nebraska, and a host of thriving businesses. We're a city that's loaded with things to do, places to go, and friendly people to meet. This podcast, simply called Lincoln, is designed to help you get to know the people of Lincoln, what makes them tick, and why they're excited to live here. Each episode will feature another of our residents just talking about who they are, what they do, and how they got here. I'm Randy Bretz, and joining me for these conversations is Marilyn Moore. And now, let's meet someone who makes Lincoln their home. Well, this morning, we're glad to continue these conversations about Lincoln with one of Lincoln's most noted artists, Anne Burkholder. And we're in the Burkholder studio, which was the first developed building in the Haymarket. So, Anne, welcome. We're honored to be having this conversation with you this morning. And we always start by asking people to tell their Lincoln story. So, tell us your Lincoln story. Well, my goodness. Um... I came, I came to Lincoln to go to the university in the mid-50s, and I have actually been here ever since. One of the things I find delightful about Lincoln is it really has kind of that small town, hospitality, thinking, feeling. It's really made up of a lot of people from rural Nebraska, from small towns, and so it has that kind of feeling, and that's the thing I really love about Lincoln. And actually, also about the hay market, because uh, a lot of these people have been down here for a long time. It's just like this really nice, close community down here. It's almost like family. It is. It is. Uh, now, Marilyn mentioned in the introduction that you, the hay market, is, it was a kind of a warehouse district for many, many years because the railroad was mm-hmm. here. Uh, and it's completely different today. If anybody's very familiar with Lincoln, they know that. But mm-hmm. if they're not, uh, it has been completely revamped. Well, there's still some warehouse buildings. But tell us the story about how you ended up in this building where we are. Well, many, many years ago, what I really dreamed about doing was, of course, my art. Uh-huh. And to be successful in that, you needed to be accessible to the public. And so, um, after the university and after the art courses, uh, I had come back like twice to the second time around. I did did an art degree. So, at that point, I started looking for a studio, and it was above the old School of Commerce building. And then they had a fire, and I thought, well, you know, what I really want to do is get one of those old buildings down in the and what was just the old warehouse district. The Haymarket didn't really mm-hmm. have a name at that point. That was probably 45 years ago. So I found, well, actually I called the school, or I called the uh, Chamber of Commerce to say, um, I, need, I need a studio and I'd like to look at some buildings down in the... So they found a place that I could rent, and it actually is in back of uh, where I am now. Mm-hmm. So I was there for like 10 years, and within that 10 years, I had looked at almost all the buildings down here. I'd gone to the State Historic Society to learn the history. I had some good friends who were both architects and structural engineers. We looked at just about every building down here. And then one day, my friend Alice Dittman 
called and, and said, Anne, let's have breakfast. I want to talk to you about you know, what, you, what you're doing, what you're looking for. And as we were driving down the alley, she says, oh, and by the way, this building is available. And I'm looking at this building, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's the right size. It has windows. And I'm thinking, but, you know, Alice, it's, it's already full. It's, got a, it's, a, it's a warehouse. I mean, it's full of old carpet and stuff like that. She said, no, no, it's for sale. So I started seriously working uh, on that premise and actually ended up buying it. It was actually the first building that was bought and renovated. And it was amazing because as the days and weeks grew by, and by the time we opened, there was so much more interest in everything else. You know, buildings um, become bought and people interested I mean, the ice cream store came in, Laszlo's came in, the oven came in, the mill. I mean, all those buildings, and they're still here. It's like a little community down here, and I really love it. What, when was that happening? When did, when did you buy this building? I bought it in early of 87. Uh, okay. So about 30, 30 years ago? I'm trying to do my yeah, math, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 30, 32 years 32 ago. 32 years ago. Your math isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> when it crosses a century, it, I have to stop and think about it. Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> the same here. Um, well, for those of you listening that have not been in the hay market or you are not familiar, I, there will be pictures of the building uh, on the website, so you can take a look at those mm-hmm. when we when And we can furnish some story. good ones for you, too. Well, in this building, in addition to your studio, you've also created a space that um, supports and promotes so many artists in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that in addition to providing that space, you've probably also provided some helpful mentorship because in addition to being just a a first-class artist, you're also a really smart entrepreneur. (laughs) So tell us about this space and how, how it came into being what it is today. Well, one of the reasons this building was so attractive to me was that it had space, but it had a limited space in terms of what you know I could do with it. What it had to support itself, and uh, so I had all these friends who were working in their kitchen, their garage, their attic—actually, very inadequate space for an artist. And so I started. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I wanted a studio for myself. I wanted it accessible to the public, but I, I also wanted a community of artists here. Mm-hmm. And uh, realizing all of a sudden that I was going to be a landlord kind of freaked me out because that was, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an artist. That's what I wanted to do. But on the other hand, it was also a one-to-one relationship with every artist that was here. You know, what are you doing? How serious are you about your work? Uh, What can we do to help you? What kind of studio do you need? What kind of lighting? What kind of other stuff do you you need? Are you teaching classes? Are you a musician? Are you a visual artist? Are you a writer? We've had it all, and it's been an incredible experience. There was a lot of collaboration at the very beginning. There was uh, one particular one that I really enjoyed where a dancer... And visual artist and a musician got together and did performances. Not just one. It was sort of an ongoing type of thing. Um, we had the Berman Jazz Foundation here, uh, which was which was wonderful. We always had great artists coming, great musicians coming in and out. 
so yeah, it's it's been a kind of a continuous work in process. One of the reasons it was named Burkholder Project because project is actually two words. It can be project, like what are you working on, what is your project. So it was one of those words. I said, yeah, this is sort of a work in process. We're going to continue to evolve and uh, be a supportive community for artists. It always feels like a community when I walk in this building. I mean, on Friday nights, mm -hmm. especially first Fridays, it's a really bustling, busy, Main Street community. Everybody came out on the first Friday of the month. Um, and other times, there are not nearly as many people here, but it still feels like doors are open and people are welcome and right. conversation happens it, and, and it's lively. Mm -hmm. It's alive. When we, we f when we first put in, uh, in the, into the lease that... Uh, this this building would be a place where people could not only come and see finished works, just like a regular gallery, but also interact with the artists. They could see works in progress as well as finished works. And I can't count the number of times I've walked in here and watched you at work, and I've always thought, what what a gift it is to watch an artist at work. And and you do that. It must not bother you having people look over your shoulder and stand there and gaze <laughs> no, at you. You'll notice I'm sitting here in front of the front window and the people will knock on the window and sort of wave and I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, see what I'm doing? <laughs> yes, you <laughs> no, do. She was working on that piece when we came in yes. today to set up the Yeah, microphone. that's just a little commission that somebody in Arizona wanted me to go out and look at his little piece of land. Unfortunately, it was soybeans, and they're rotting in the field, and we both all know why that is. But it's true. He was really attached to that, and uh -huh. he had just gotten out of the hospital. I had a feeling that he was an older person, but he really uh, felt something for that piece of land. Oh, and wow. actually, that's kind of what Nebraska is. Mm -hmm. You know, we have this incredible wide-open space, uh, just like the people who live here. Would you talk about yourself as an artist? Talk about myself as an artist. Well, that wouldn't be too hard because I've always considered myself as an artist. Um, I got my first set of oils. Well, let me let me start before that. Um, when I was like four years old, my my mother put up a a chalkboard, big chalkboard, right beside her kitchen sink, and she wanted me to work on my numbers and my letters. Actually, she wanted to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> but what what happened was, I'm looking up at her, and she's in this yellow kitchen, and the light's coming in on her as she's working over the sink. And I'm, So I started drawing her. Um, she was a jazz musician. She was a pianist. She taught organ, voice. I was a complete disaster. <laughs> I couldn't even keep time. And so... When I was about six, she bought me a set of oils, and I have been painting ever since. And as I told you, I've been painting for over 70 years. Mm -hmm. So I've been at this. So I am an artist. Mm -hmm. You are an artist. And I think there's, you know, even as I'm driving down the highway and I'm looking out the window, I'm painting just about every... <laughs> people who travel with me, it's a little disconcerting because, you know, I want to pull over and look more, maybe take photographs. I used to take time and sketch, but that drove people really crazy. So, <laughs> so you said, way. okay, I'll take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, you're, I mean, the paintings are 
predominantly landscapes and they're dominantly Nebraska, although not mm-hmm. exclusively. And I was drawn to your paintings first by the sky because I grew up in southwestern Nebraska where there there's nothing to obstruct the sky. Yes. And I just think you capture Nebraska sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all other things Nebraska. Yeah. It seems to me you have a special fondness for the sand hills. Was that home for you? Uh, yes, I was actually born in North Platte, and then my father went off to the Navy in, in World War II. But before he did, he moved us up to Callaway because he kind of wanted to be in an area where they really needed a dentist. And Custer County was kind of a wide-open place with just really kind of small towns. Even Broken Bow up mm-hmm. there is kind of a small town. So I really feel like I grew up in, in Callaway, in Custer County. And that attraction to that big land, those wide open skies, that far distant horizon, is something that's very, very much part of me. My dad liked to drive in the country. He would get in a car and he would go and go. And I would sit up there and we would look at the odometer. We'd get to the top of a hill and I'd see how far, I guess, you know, the road is way, way over there. And how far is that? What turned out to be about seven miles. So that distant, that distant horizon, whether it was sharp and clear or very diffused and just sort of went into the sort of the infinite mm-hmm. distance. But, you know, the finite, the infinite, you know, it's that kind of openness. Like these, these huge skies, this big land, and that far distant line. Before we started recording, you were talking about how that open sky and the landscape uh, impacts the personality of the people of Nebraska. Would you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, sure. You know, it's it's really kind of interesting. People who come from more wooded areas like Minnesota or the East Coast where you have all these trees, they come to Nebraska and they're out there and they think, they're so exposed. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's almost more than they can handle psychologically and uh, but the people from Nebraska they go to those places and they feel claustrophobic mm-hmm. so I really feel like that is part of our personality that openness that kind of freedom that that part of us that really values that openness in those vast vast places would you talk about um young artists who might be listening to this um, and who might be wondering where it is that they will they will land that will help them grow as an artist. Uh, what would you just say to someone who's just graduating from college or in their 20s uh, about about coming to Lincoln as a young artist? Will they will they flourish here? Oh wow, that's a hard question because you are so uh, it's so difficult to make a living yes, as an is. artist. Um Realistically, I would say uh, get another job to support yourself, but don't give up your art. Mm. There was a, I remember being in San Francisco once and talking to a few artists there, and they said, you know, a couple of them were going to, I think it was San Francisco College or Art College or something like that, and you were required to take not just your art courses, but carpentry or plumbing or something to do with. Uh, actually, earning a living while you were being an artist. There is such a there is such a rare percentage of people who actually can make a living as an artist. 
And basically, f- basically that you know, that's what I did. I bought a building yes. for a community, and um, I could probably still squeak out a living, but this is stability, and it's stability for the other people mm-hmm. here. A lot of artists teach. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a number of college professors who teach uh, who actually have studios here. Um, there are a number of artists who do framing. So there's a, a whole bunch of other things that you can incorporate in your life as a as sort of a lifestyle and still be an artist. Which allows you to actually flourish as an artist, even if there are other things that you do that helps you make mm-hmm. a living. That's right. You yeah. talked about uh, the, the community you have here. and Two thoughts come to my mind. One is, there is, uh, in this, you know, in 2018... In the early in the in the early teens of two thousand, there's been a movement called co-working. There's one just a block from here called Fuse Co-working. There's another one a few more blocks called the Foundry. But when you started this art community, it was really co-working as well because of the capability of a chance of getting together. Mm-hmm. How did uh, and I'm kind of rambling here, but Marilyn, you mentioned. First Fridays. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that First Friday was something that artist communities around the country did, but Anne said no. Well, actually, I mean, that's I was in in galleries, like in in Minnesota, uh-huh. in, in in Minneapolis, also in Kansas City, and one of the things that when I would have an opening there, I realized that all these people were coming through and finding out that they were called like gallery crawls or mm-hmm. gallery walks and i'm thinking why aren't we doing that we need to get these artists we need to get these studios these galleries together and and say okay we're going to do this on like the first friday of every month every month and uh i got ann pagel involved in that and ann and i pulled all these galleries together and we would meet over at the oven and talk about the whole process, and uh, it was an ongoing thing for a couple of years, and then it kind of just took off. We didn't need to send out invitations. People were, I mean, if they had any questions, they would call and say, are we doing First Friday? You know, mm-hmm. it might be a strange month, like the 4th of July or Christmas mm-hmm. or New Year's or something like that. But uh, it, took, it took off. And it's, right now, it's one of those things like farmer's market. Everybody comes down to farmer's market. Everybody comes down for First Friday. And they know that the galleries will be open that evening. And it's like a community affair. And you, you see people you know, uh, just like at farmer's market. You know, it's one of those things that makes Lincoln, Lincoln. It's a, it's a friendly place, and everybody knows everybody else. And if you haven't been out to first friday in lincoln uh it's worth it it is it's one of my favorite nights even (laughs) even on really cold winter Mm -hmm. nights people are out or on hot summer nights even when there's no parking (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you park and you walk yeah but and it's it it has spread outside of the the hay market Mm -hmm. i know it goes all the way over to 14th 15th street Mm And out to University Place. Yeah, up to yeah. University Place, and uh, it just—it's just—it's just a phenomenon. Yeah, I think the LPS students in the Arts and Humanities program do a First Friday of their work at um, like from four o'clock to five o'clock, mm-hmm. so that they—they they just are 
they're yeah. just inculcating that whole whole openness to mm-hmm. sharing their work. Yeah, I think university plays kind of starts early, uh, like Sheldon Art Gallery mm-hmm. starts starts early, and then you end. Uh, we have kind of early hours too. Ours are like from five thirty to eight, but there are a lot of hours will stay open until nine. We stop at eight because we're getting old here. Yeah, we got here <laughs> five minutes till eight one night, and or it was right at eight o'clock, and you were locking the door already. So, well, I guess we'll have to come back. Come early next I, time. That just spreads out the galleries one can go to, and it spreads out the 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 people in restaurants also. So you mm-hmm. can either dine and and walk yeah. or walk and dine. That's right. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about Lincoln. You've lived here for quite a few years. Hundred. Hundred years. years. <laughs> yes, I've been here. Yes. <laughs> uh, why do you like Lincoln? Oh my! I think. Um, well, it's the people. I, I like the town. It's it's clean. It's friendly. Uh, it has a very progressive government. I've always been interested in politics, and uh, this is one of those towns that is small enough that you don't have, you know, big city, um, I, I don't want to say corruption, but you, it, there's more, po- there's a lot of politics going on mm-hmm. in any place. Mm-hmm. But I, li- I like the politics here. It's a, it's a more open town. Um, I love the people. You know, this is, actually, you know, I should maybe pull back a little bit and say, like, so 32 years ago, I wanted to do this project. And I knew that I had an option of doing it any place I wanted to in the country. And I really liked Santa Fe. I like New Mexico a lot. I go down there at least once a year. And it's really nice because there's original art in a filling station. There's original art in the, in the fire station. The bank has a pallet on, its, on the front part of it. This is, you know, the art is part of that culture down there. But there's something about Nebraska, and I think it's probably the people and the realness of them. Uh, so my friends, my relatives, they're here. So this is actually, this is actually home plate. This is where my roots are. Mm-hmm. This, this, this whole country, this wide open space, this is me. And... I had to sort of write this down and talk to myself about this, about why I was making that decision. So, yes, Lincoln is really my home. That's interesting. I've been to Santa Fe, and and, and I like it uh, as well, but uh, I kind of favor Lincoln myself, mm-hmm. too. So, I'm an artist. I'm, uh, I'm not really. I'm making this up. But let's say mm-hmm. I'm an artist. If, you're, come if you. you're creative, you're an artist. <laughs> I can't do a good stick figure. <laughs> oh, that has nothing to do with doing stick figures. Well, you true. know that. <laughs> but but uh, I'm an artist, and I and I email you or give you a call and say, I'm trying to decide where to settle. Why should I? Why should I settle in Lincoln? What would you say to me? Mm. Well, I think Lincoln is very supportive of the arts. I mean, look at the different type of organizations we have. A really good arts castle. Uh-huh. We have Sheldon. We have uh, really some really good university classes in it. And if not at the university, the community colleges, Don College, everything is really within that. I think Lincoln per person has a really high quality of artists here. And it's 
it's not just one, but, you know, if you come down to see a gallery, for instance, you're not going to just go see one gallery. You're going to see lots of galleries. When this area started to develop, uh, the city sort of selected, or well, how should I put that? They designated the Haymarket as the Center for Arts. So almost immediately, uh, it wasn't just my gallery. It was the Gallery 9. It was the ha old Haymarket Gallery, Noise Gallery, uh, and a lot of other, like I think uh, the Sheldon, the Hayden was down here. So there was about six within about four years of making this kind of the center of arts, mm -hmm. not just not just for, for Lincoln, but I think Nebraska. You've got Omaha, who has lots of galleries, but they're scattered all over the place. Uh, it was really kind of nice to have this designated as a center for arts. Kind of the art district. Yeah. I just had a question and I lost it. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> That's why I looked at you. you know, I think about I'm I think about the artists who show their work here, who don't necessarily have um, studios here. So it, it seems to me that's another way that you're supporting artists in in being known and being seen. How how do you develop and cultivate those relationships and and um, what's the impact on the art world, and what's the impact on this gallery when you do that? You know, when I first started the Burkhalter Project, uh, I had in mind working studios. I think we talked a little bit mm -hmm. about that. But I also realized that people were considering it a gallery, not just working spaces. So we started with that. And then I also realized that year after year, you're going to see pretty much the same thing if I keep it static like that. So I started very small, but I invited other artists to be associated with us, uh, people who didn't necessarily have studios here, and because they lived outstate Nebraska, or actually even Iowa, Minnesota, mm -hmm. uh, Colorado, Kansas, all those people. Uh, we even had a, had a couple international people. My only concern with those people was that they have some connection here to Lincoln. So it wasn't, they weren't just sending work here and not having a relationship with the gallery. But that's, that sort of also developed into another thing. There are people who don't need working space, but they want to exhibit on a more permanent basis. So I started, instead of renting studios by the square foot, renting them by the running foot. Mm. And so mm -hmm. a person could come in and rent a wall. And then we also have another level. There's a lot of people who are just getting involved, and they may really be good, and they have real promise, but they have nothing, they don't know anything about exhibiting or presenting their work, or they don't have a an audience. And so we developed what we call the Special Exhibit Room for Emerging Artists. We use that room for, for ongoing artists, too. But it's one of the rooms that we set aside here for those artists who are just up and coming. And it's kind of interesting because we have run into several artists who are more than just emerging artists. They, are, they, are, they have focus, they know where they're going with their art, and they're very serious and disciplined about doing it. So we have incorporated them in the association of artists here. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting 
format in terms of how we can help artists. So when I used the word mentor at the beginning to talk about Ann Burkholder, what you just said is you're, you're mentoring artists at all ages and stages of development um, in their art and also in, their, um, in, in, in the business side of their art because mm-hmm. you are a really fine artist and you said they may not know anything about how to show their work or how to display right. it. Oh, how much teaching you do. <laughs> I am yeah, in awe. Well, I, I, I do. I do work with artists in terms of presentation mm-hmm. and encourage them, saying like, "Oh my gosh, you need to do more with this. This is a really good. Uh, this is a really good series you're working on. You know, keep doing it over and over and over again. I don't know. Is it the Japanese saying? You know, once you've done something ten thousand times, you may become an expert. That's basically you know this. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of. And That's I, true I in all aspects of <laughs> yes, life. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And they meant it to be that way, too. But yeah, uh, artists, you know, I don't do an exclusive here. Mm-hmm. There's some really good galleries in Nebraska who do exclusives, and I don't think that's very fair to artists. It says, oh, you can only show your, your work here. You can't go to Omaha and show your work. It has to be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's only fair if that gallery is really promoting that one person and gives them a show every year, puts out advertisement for them, uh, and just basically sort of own them, own their work. And I think you can do that. But there's a lot of galleries who ask for exclusives that aren't providing any of those services. So we have a lot of artists here who are members of other galleries, and that's fine with me. We try to, we probably charge the lowest in terms of commission. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 25%. I'd have to ask Lisa. But most galleries are charging like 50%. Really? Yeah. And sometimes even more. Really? Did not know that. Um, but we make up for that because we have like association fees for the non-studio artists here. And uh, so it makes it possible for us to do what we need to do but it also makes it possible for an artist who has to do others' things and just do, you know, one show a year here. Because we have, like, three galleries in the building that do monthly shows. Well, you times that times 10 or 12, that's like, you know, 30, 36 artists would get a show a year. So it's a big building. It is a big building. It's probably one of the biggest, most inclusive galleries in in. In Nebraska, I never quite make it through the whole building when I come. Oh, I, I have to come that. back another time to do to do the the upper floor or the lower floor. Yeah. So I just don't make it all at once. Right. <laughs> now, we've talked a lot about artists and 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 the work that they do. And I don't claim to be an artist, although you said, "Oh, you're an artist." But <laughs> how does art contribute to life in general? Ah, uh, just kind of a philosophical yeah. question. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. I did a. Uh, artist in residence program through the National Endowment of the Arts for a couple of years, and within that period, I mean, it was a fascinating, it's fascinating thing. It was exhausting, but it was fascinating. And I realized, um, I think it was at a time when we were getting a lot of refugees from like Vietnam and some of the Asian countries. Mm-hmm. And working with those kids, it was really kind of interesting because they started very, very early. Uh, in their education thing, 
in the, in, in the process of um, observation, of really looking at things, really drawing uh, what they were seeing in an everyday type of thing. And it was so interesting to me that that hooked into so much of how a person learns. Uh, and so it was one of those things that I sort of picked up with. It. Art at the very beginning is a very, very vital ingredients of you developing as a person and that that whole thing about learning to observe whether it's the written word or visually i think it's very very important or music or yeah anything mm-hmm. yeah when i was in china uh, we visited a lot of schools which educators do and one was a chinese kindergarten which we would um, probably call a preschool mm-hmm. um, the children were basic they were four and five. And the the Chinese are good planners, and they are very efficient in terms of, uh, efficiency is a high goal in terms of use of time and use of resources. Mm-hmm. And so um, curriculum is planned for that which is most valuable and that which will have the most um, impact on, on I- intellectual development and, and societal development and so forth. And the amount of time that was devoted to the arts in preschool was stunning. Mm-hmm. And the children's artwork was amazing. And exactly. as you talk about um, careful observation, that's when I, when I think about watching those children paint, that's exactly what they were doing. They were so, so focused on observing and so focused on their painting. And they were, they were, they were very careful with it. They were very attentive to it. And, and, and their work was amazing. Mm-hmm. One of the women I was traveling with has a daughter who's an art teacher, and we were privileged to bring back a few pieces of the children's work. And when she shared that with her daughter, her daughter assumed that it had been done by at least middle school age students. She was amazed <laughs> that four and five year olds could produce that. It's absolutely I'll, I'll true. bet your mother thought the same thing when she watched you at your chalkboard in her kitchen <laughs> because you were observing. <laughs> you were an early observer. Yeah. Well, it's I, I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. You know, if you uh, like in college, I had to write things down immediately. Because going in one year and going out the other is not just a saying. <laughs> I was strictly, I mean, I would make lists. It was, it's kind of interesting. I, but you remember gra- uh, uh, visual things. You talked about the, the, the yellow and oh, the color mm-hmm. and yeah. your mom standing in the kitchen window. With sunlight, yes. This has been fascinating. Thank you. And I'm sure there's something that Marilyn and Randy did not ask you. Is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't that we haven't probed? Oh my! Um, I work better if you ask me questions. <laughs> I, I, I do have a question. Do okay. you do you live in the Haymarket? I live here. That's what I thought. And I I, I thought that was the case, but I didn't want to disclose that if you didn't want to disclose oh, no, that. No, no, no. So that's tell us what it's like to to be a resident of the Haymarket, and how has that changed over a 30-year period of time? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 40-year period of time. Well, you know, doing this building was partially having a studio, working here, exhibiting here, but also living here. Mm -hmm. And that was part of that lifelong dream of developing a place that I could do that. So I can remember very early on sitting up in my window and just, you know, just watching the occasional car that would come down here. Uh, across the street was a blank 
brick wall that became Lazo as I watched that happen. So I've watched that. And the, the, it's something very, very interesting. This, this area of town has an energy all to its own. Uh, and I'm not talking about just football Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not crazy just talking energy. about farmer's market. Uh, Friday night, there is not a night, there's not a day where parking is not an issue. Because this area is filled on Mondays, it's filled on Sundays, it, it's busy all the time. It has an energy uh, that I love. And I think people who want to live down here, whether they recognize it or not, saying, oh my gosh, I want to be part of that. And it's true. So, yeah, making, you know, designing studios was one thing, but also designing sort of loft-type apartments. Sort of like the... Um, you know, part of my inspiration came from like visiting the torpedo factory way back in the '60s, where all these little places were, had uh, artists in them. When I when I went there, I had heard the story. I went there, and there were very few artists who were actually working. It had turned into a lot of small little shops, uh, and I said, "No, no, no." That's not what I'm going to do. We're going to have working studios that people are going to be able to come in and visit artists and see the works in progress and the finished works. So, yes. And you have an amazing alley that runs alongside your building. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love the alley. I love the alley in the daylight, and I love the alley at night. Right. And did, did that just get... Did that first live in your mind before it lived on the walls and in the air? Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, when I first bought this building, uh, a couple of really nice people from the city came and they said, Anne, wouldn't it be wonderful if this, if this alley could be a pedestrian walkway? And I said, well, yeah. I mean, I've, even when I was down on the other end, you know, 40 years ago, I had, you know, tried to pick the alley up, the broken bottles and the weeds and stuff like that. Uh, and so, yeah, I said, well, yeah, I, you know, I'll do that. I'll paint the side of my building, and and uh, I'll see if I can afford a little art on it. And so for 30 years, I did that. And then those same two people came back, and they said, Anne, wouldn't it be great if this was a pedestrian walkway? And I said, okay, you two, you said the same exactly thing <laughs> 30 years ago. So now produce. <laughs> yeah, they said, well, you know, what the city's thinking about doing is doing this parking garage at the very end of the alley. It, the entrance will automatically flow into this alley. So the city got together and sort of helped out uh, this whole pedestrian walkway did the lights and uh, gave me sort of carte blanche in terms of uh, doing design work on both the creamery and continuing on our building. Our building at mm-hmm. that point still had, you know, a lot of art that was on it. And you have Clint Rungi over there that painted his building down at the arch, the arch rival. Oh, at the arch rival. Uh-huh. Yeah, that. Yeah. When we did this, they continued on. I think, and it's such a fun thing. It's very different than what I did, but I think it's a, I think it's wonderful, and people really, really enjoy it. I do too. Yeah, and those string lights at night are just I love the lights. magical. I just think it, it is. It's just it, it, it's it's way more than an alley. It's way more than a pedestrian oh, walkway. Yeah. It's just an extension of of the art world. You know, when we were working on that, we had people from out of state and they would walk in and see this being done he said lincoln nebraska 
<laughs> you're doing this in LinkedIn. How did you do this? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a pretty amazing project. It we is. have little dance groups that will come in and have their photos taken, senior pictures. One day I walked out there and there was a set settee, and this guy had brought his his fiance to to actually propose to her oh, in really? the alley. <laughs> but wedding wedding parties, uh, it's pretty amazing. Every every hour of the day and night. My great-niece's two-year-old pictures were taken in that alley, and it was after a rainstorm, and so she's stomping through puddles. <laughs> and it's just charming. It is yeah. absolutely charming. Yeah. It captures her in every way. It yeah. makes me want to go out there in a, in exactly. a rainstorm. Yeah. Well, Anne, thank you very, very much. Oh, you're this very welcome. This has been just delightful. Well, it has been delightful for me, too. It's always fun to talk about, you know, why I'm here and where I'm going and, and all those things. You two have been delightful. Thank I'm you. I'm really glad you're here. Well, thanks for listening in as we talk with someone who helps make Lincoln special. If you live here, drop us a note and let us know what you think about Lincoln. If you've moved away, well, we'd love to welcome you back. And if you've only heard about or visited Lincoln, we just know you'd love it here. Join us again and catch someone from Lincoln talking about why they love Lincoln and why you should too.